Looking for a special gift for that fag in your life? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some A&G merch. Oh. New for 19, our latest A&G logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt or the Castigat Redendo Mores tee is available. The Yo, Yo, Yo and the updated Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal Unicornia state flag tee. We even brought back our classic A&G ketchup and mustard logo. Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com. A guy quitting his Starbucks job by showing up with a guitar and <laughs> singing a song about it. I don't know if I think that guy's going to go places or is doomed for, uh, I don't know. I will donate to his cause. That makes me chuckle so hard. <laughs> so you wouldn't believe this if we told you, but there's another impeachment hearing going on right now. Yeah. This time they're, they're, they're getting ready to um, craft the articles of impeachment and then vote on them. And they're all giving exactly the same speeches you've seen for weeks now. I was just watching Matt Gatz up there. I like his act, but he was, I, and I didn't hear it, but he's waving his finger and he's pointing and he's adamant. And I saw Jim what Jordan earlier and I saw uh, Nadler earlier and they're all, they're all saying exactly the same crap they've been saying for weeks and they're doing it again today. Is there a human being in America that's listening to that? Oh, gosh, it's got to be a vanishingly small number at this point. We have a I mean, president if... who tried to get Ukraine to, and then on the other side, this is a joke. This is the thinnest. Yes, we've had this conversation like five times this week, let yeah. alone in the last several months. I think they're all just down to making their stump speech over and over again. And if a few humans uh, flip on and think, wow, yeah, he makes a persuasive case, I guess they've done their jobs. But, man, they're spending all day and all night in those dang hearings just uh, repeating themselves over and over again. I saw it last night. how many opening statements is enough? Do you have to have an opening statement for every damned hearing? I saw the opening statements last night, and they were super impassioned, once again reiterating. It shows you what great actors they have to be, because you have to be acting to get that level of passion again about this you surely aren't actually that worked up like the fifth time this week to make that speech right right well i don't know that's the business they're in i guess all right just just please finish it up would you so the rest of us can get on our with uh, with our lives and the country can manage itself we have some serious challenges to deal with so you and sean are working this i was completely unaware of this story I, i was unaware that stevie wonder was blind i've known that my whole life I, you, I, you were aware. I didn't okay. know anybody until I met Sean that anybody doubted that he was blind, and Sean's been working that beat for years, and well, now this. So yeah, the latest uh, evidence to this is a Lionel Richie interview that he did on the Kelly Clarkson show. Here's a little snippet. I've been spending my whole life with him thinking he can see. I know he can see. The story I tell that's the funniest, I went to his house, he says, want to hear a new song? I've got it in the car. Come on, go with me. We go out to the car. 
He says, you sit on the passenger side, I'll sit on the driver's side. He goes in, he cranks the car up, he puts the tape in, right? And then he does this and starts driving back down the driveway. No, sir. And I screamed, said, Stevie, what are you doing? And he said, ah, got you, didn't I? <laughs> So I think but that, see, that's not proof he can see at all. Uh, well, he, your case sucks. He he, moved, why are, this is racism and blindism. <laughs> he moved the car in some ways, right? You, I don't think you do that if you are totally blind. I think part of the reason why he has not come out in public say he enjoys being a prankster about it. Here is uh, Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, recalling a time that uh, Stevie Wonder was visiting him in something that he calls the candy room. Um, probably Stevie Wonder. Really? That's a good one. Stevie Wonder. Yes, yes. What did he have? Did he... He just go and he knows what he wants. He it's knows not, what he wants. It's not, no, he's, he's not, you never seen Stevie doing that. You know, Reaching like he doesn't know like he, where yeah. he's going. He okay. always knows where everything yeah, is. Yeah. He'll tell you what you have on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's literally told me. Has he like really? That. Yes. He knows like what the, what the, the material yeah. is or what the designer is? I mean, he'll he'll explain what he sees. Oh, really? Yeah. And is it right, or you just tell him it was right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Stevie, you did it again. No. Yeah, I'm wearing my Ghostbusters jumpsuit. <laughs> nah, no, he's right. He'll, he'll say you have on a blue suit and a blue white striped tie. But is, is so Stevie Wonder became okay. how old was he when he first hit the scene? He's pretty young. Twelve, I yeah. think. Yeah. So is there any chance well, obviously there's a great chance now that we know more about how show business work, that that a that a kid that, you know, obviously had sight problems, um, they they tr- tr- they made a bigger deal out of how blind he was because it's a better story. Right. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. There's so many stories like that. You know, like Van Halen's first album, they're actually two years older than the record company put out, but it sounded like, you know, it's more exciting that they were some sort of teenage prodigies and just dudes in their early 20s. The the single most compelling piece of evidence and the one that made me a believer is there is a video of uh, Stevie Wonder with Paul McCartney doing a concert, I believe it was at the White House, Paul McCartney's kind of clapping. He's he's trying to get back to his piano, and as he's getting back, navigating the stage, he bumps a microphone stand that begins to tip over. A bunch of people on the stage. The only person that reaches out to catch the falling mic stand is Stevie Wonder. So he's he's like, he's well, you know maybe he can see pretty well, but he could be too blind to drive yes. or something like that. But he can see fairly well, and that and and the thing got going so big and hard and heavy, and you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, and they're featured on, featuring you on 60 Minutes way back in the day, and all that sort of stuff. You're not going to say, well, I'm not actually blind. I'm a really good musician, but I'm not actually blind. I mean, why would you want to do that? This is the world's least significant mystery. It's just kind of interesting. Maybe yeah, he just is. needed reading glasses, and that was it. <laughs> you know, yeah, he just has to squint when he watches TV. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there there are lots of stories of musicians where they... Uh, I don't know if this works anymore because the internet and whatnot. But uh, back in the day, you know, you kind of made it want to sound like they were discovered on a street corner when they'd been... Uh, Working with producers for years. And, oh, yeah. I've been working clubs or whatever for yeah. years and years, busting her ass to get famous. The waitress discovered just singing to herself while washing dishes at a restaurant and that sort of thing. Right. Um, so, yeah. Oh, there you go. Stevie Wonder can see. All right. Well, great. Sir Duke is a great song. Uh, the, oh, lot, there's lots of great Stevie Wonder songs. <laughs> oh, What's yeah. the best Stevie Wonder song? I just called to say I love you. Oh, oh Why Lord. did you have to do that? Wow. Why wow. did you have to say that? 
<laughs> that might be my least favorite flaccid piece of musical tripe. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. That Very might good. be my least favorite noise. Is that you song? Know, I love Sir Duke in terms of like the great grooves of all time. It's hard to get past superstition. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, did you guys have part time lover in the I just called to say I love you camp? Do you find that more annoying or or is that a toe tapper for you? Time lover. It took me a minute to, to think of that song. Yeah, it's just, what are you going to do? The guy's written hundreds of, of songs. Some of them are going to be dogs, um, but many of them are not. Um, on the other hand, there was a period of, I don't know, it's like in the early 2000s where he was on every show every day, every time. <laughs> just every show had Stevie Wonder on it. And I remember both Jack and I were just so sick of him. We never wanted to hear him sing again. And then he gave way to U2, which became the omnipresent band. I don't know if there is one now, really. God, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna lay a joke on, but I can't come up with the guy's name because I'm having a senior moment. Uh, the great physicist in the wheelchair, Stephen Hawking. I was gonna say Stephen Hawking and I jump. We'll have that coming oh, up next. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not. But yet I laughed. So yeah, I was what's laughing going at something on there? Else. It wasn't at that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so make this end. <laughs> well, who else should, should can I we, break? Who else Make can we out? this end, Michael. Um, we do have the uh, Trevor Noah on uh, Daily Show. We we played this a lot earlier. We want we want to play it again for uh, for for a whole new audience listening now because we want to single handedly, best we can, try to keep this war in Afghanistan story going that the Washington Post revealed to us all earlier this week. We've been misled for eighteen years by by multiple administrations, people dying, people getting wounded. Uh, marriage is ruined, kids growing up in broken homes, a trillion dollars, lied to the whole way, story went away, they covered it on the Daily Show, thank goodness, we'll have that for you next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. is the best Stevie Wonder song, so you were both wrong, but that's all right. Um, it's pretty good. Monday, Washington Post hit with a multi-part series on the war in Afghanistan. A headline, basically, we, we, we were misled for 18 years. Uh, I uh, said at the time, with impeachment going on and everything else, it wasn't going to get much attention. It got even less than attention than I thought it would. Well, it's a, you know, it was the mistake of the Washington Post not to make it entirely about the orange man. It's you know, the only way to get any attention. It got mentioned on Fox a little and then went away. I haven't seen it mentioned at all on uh, some of your other channels. And God, those are the anti-war channels. Those are the war is always bad channels and no mention of it because it's all Trump all the time. And I suppose Obama factors in, so that, uh, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Just, just frustrating. Anyway, uh, on that note, thank goodness uh, Trevor Noah at The Daily Show decided to take a look at it. And it goes something the like this. The people in charge didn't know how to define victory in Afghanistan. Right? Was it beating the Taliban or beating al-Qaeda, uh, making the country a democracy? And if you don't know how to end it, then you should just wrap it up and get out, you know, like they did with Game of Thrones. She's dead, he's gone, the bird kid is king. Roll the credits, roll the credits. Take the money, let's go. But these people stretched it out. And this report shows that America's government had little success and not much of a strategy going in. But there was one thing they had plenty of. Money. The problem is, as any rapper will tell you, more money, 
more unnecessary expenditures. Aid workers in the field, military officers, diplomats, they all said this was more money than they could possibly spend, that they were ordered by Congress and officials back in Washington to spend, spend, spend as quickly as they could, as much as they could. Nearly a billion dollars on helicopters and planes for the Afghans. Trouble is, there is serious doubt that the Afghans can fly them. A half million of your dollars wasted on a building that melted four months after it was built. $34 million went to a soybean growing project. And soybeans don't grow in Afghanistan, and people in Afghanistan don't eat soybeans. The oh, Pentagon wasted millions on uniforms for the Afghan army. It was to buy a forest camouflage pattern. Forests cover only 2% of Afghanistan. <sighs> you know... It's it's funny if you're in the right mood for it, but, sure. I'm, but I'm not, so it really isn't. <laughs> uh, how much money did they spend on the soybean program? That you thirty-four million dollars. You can't grow soybeans there, and that's all the tax money you, me, him, her, they will ever pay in our entire lives. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, it's your gone. entire lifetime's tax money. Yep. Uh, not helping any cause you care about or any core duties of government, roads, etc. Nope. Nope. Just wasted. And you you got to wonder on that stuff. Was money flowing so freely at that moment that somebody who had connections to someone who would be on the receiving end of that money say, I can jam this in to this 2,000-page piece of legislation. Nobody will blink an eye on it, so you can be in charge of the whole soybean thing, and you'll have all that money coming your way. And this notion of spending your way into more money, where this is the budget, we need to max out this budget so then we can ask for more money for our budget. Right. Seems to be a real problem in in those. To those questions and concerns, the lead of that section of the WAPO's gigantic multi-part series is as follows. About halfway into the 18-year war, Afghans stopped hiding how corrupt their country had become. Dark money sloshed all around. Afghanistan's largest bank liquefied into a cesspool of fraud. Travelers lugged suitcases loaded with a million dollars or more on flights leaving Kabul. Mansions known as poppy palaces rose from the rubble to house opium kingpins. President Hamid Hamid Karzai won re-election after cronies stuffed thousands of ballot boxes. He later admitted the CIA had delivered bags of cash to his office for years, calling it nothing unusual. And in public, as President Barack Barack Obama escalated the war, and Congress approved billions of additional dollars in support. The commander-in-chief and lawmakers promised to crack down on corruption and hold crooked Afghans accountable. In reality, U.S. officials backed off, looked away, and let the thievery become more entrenched than ever, according to a trove of confidential government interviews obtained by the Washington Post. And again, the amounts are are incomprehensible. Sure, and when you're spending that kind of money, it's almost a trillion dollars now in the end. $30 $30 million for a soybean program, nobody's even going to... There There wouldn't be a human being that questioned that, probably, when the, when the uh, big number got signed off on. Uh, Craig Whitlock is the guy behind that in the Washington Post. We talked to him earlier in the week. We should do a long-form podcast with him, or at least another short uh, segment on the air, because it deserves any attention it gets. Yeah, I would agree. One of the frustrating parts about it, me, is that I know it's going to happen again. In my lifetime, you know, God willing, if I live a couple of more decades, we'll get into another war and spend and do things just exactly the same way. With, with, with people having no idea what we're trying to accomplish and money being wasted and lives being ruined. It's just, 
So frustrating. Here's a little more for you. To purchase loyalty and information, the CIA gave cash to warlords, governors, parliamentarians, even religious leaders. The U.S. military and other agencies also abetted corruption by doling out payments or contracts to unsavory Afghan power brokers in a misguided quest for stability. A senior diplomat told government interviewers, quote, we had partnerships with all the wrong players. The U.S. is still standing shoulder to shoulder with these people, even through all these years. It's a case of security trumping everything else. Uh, let's see. They analyzed uh, th- another official went on the record, helped analyze 3000 Defense Department contracts worth one hundred and six billion dollars to see who was benefiting. The conclusion, about 40 percent of the money, which is about forty five billion dollars, ended up in the pockets of insurgents, criminal syndicates or corrupt Afghan officials. And it was often a higher percentage. Well, then that amount of money is everybody that's listening right now and all the taxes you'll ever pay in your life. Right. Yeah. Got, got completely wasted. And, and, and worse than wasted, given to horrible people so they can do horrible things with it. Yeah. Here's a USAID official. We used the bad guys to get at the badder guys. We thought we could circle back and get the bad guys later, only we never did. Right. Yeah, and just enrich them. And, then, and meanwhile, the batter guys are running the country. You know, and that's complicated, and I can see people making an argument for that. How about the money that was just plain pissed away and just graft? Like I was talking about the soybean thing. You know that happened. I like the forest camouflage, personally. Yeah, that, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. You know that happened, though, and nobody will ever get nailed for that. Somebody got that money, and it was just a sweetheart deal. Um, oh yeah, we'll train them in how to we'll, we'll train them in how to grow soybeans. You know, a bunch of Afghan farmers who are told they need to show up and given cash to show up. <laughs> Some American shows up and teaches them how to grow soybeans. Nobody's paying any attention, but they got a giant check and you go back home with it to the United States and you're a rich guy now because uh, you got taxpayer money for for something that's just theft. Same with paving a bunch of roads. How many roads got paved with everybody knowing that th- th- nobody's ever going to drive on this road? It'll get blown up the second we leave here. But it doesn't matter. People got the money, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, if all this had been in pursuit of a coherent goal with a coherent strategy, you could almost overlook it. But the fact that at the top and and on down, everybody's scratching their heads saying, what are we doing? What's our purpose? Why are we doing any of this? And nobody knew. It's just it's galling. Marshall Phillips has the new poll on impeachment, do I understand? Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not going the right direction if you want Trump booted out. We'll tell you that. So while they're arguing impeachment now, a new poll hits coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show. Wow, so there's an impeachment thingy going on right now. I don't even know what they're doing now. But they're all John. But they had their markup committee. They started last night. Here's the Washington Post's takeaways from the impeachment articles markup get-together. Yeah. This is from the Washington Post. Republicans are remarkably united, while some Democrats who aren't on the committee are wavering. So the Washington Post is painting it as uh, a little that iffy. Way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any denying and, that. And, and I there, haven't heard anything to contradict that. And as Tucker Carlson's been saying for a while, the biggest cheerleader for impeachment has been the mainstream media. They've been driving this as much as anybody. What is this clip we're about? Uh, here? This was from CNN's morning show uh, today. Okay, we have uh, learned that as soon as next Tuesday, the full House will vote to impeach the president. They're fully expected to have the votes, though we're getting new reporting this morning that a handful, maybe a growing handful, of Democrats could be getting cold feet. Wow. Yep. 
how many Dems will Nancy lose when they do the House vote? Well, Marshall's got a poll now. Marshall Phillips in the news. Well, yeah, as the committee members continue their impassioned railing about impeachment, we've got two new polls out now that show most Americans are against removing President Trump from office. A Quinnipiac poll found 51% of registered voters say Trump should not be removed from office. 45% think he should. So it's now a majority nationwide, and in the swing states, it's overwhelmingly against. And so how many Dems peel off in which you will have bipartisan opposition to it, even though it'll probably pass? I could easily see it being one of these phenomena where there are five Democrats who are thinking of peeling off, and that's fine. But at the point that it's 10, it suddenly becomes 100. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. As soon as it gets to anything close to a critical mass, the the, the wobbly ones are going to say, yeah, 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 let's just forget it, let's move on. This is killing us. Hmm. And according to the new Monmouth poll, which was uh, just released as well, 50% say the president should not be impeached, 45% calling for impeachment. Well, they have their own polling, too. Mm-hmm. That's usually ahead of the big polls that come out. Right. There'll, be, there'll be more polls before next week when they vote. The direction is this way, and you can only assume that the against numbers will be higher come next week. Right. Well, and it's worth repeating, we don't elect presidents, and this this makes it about politics as opposed to about right and wrong, and for that, forgive me, but we elect presidents through the Electoral College. Everybody knows how that works, sort of, kind of. But the vast majority of the yes, impeach them and remove them stuff are on the blue, blue coasts of the U.S., and so you've got this uh, misleading concentration of 100% yes in San Francisco and in the uh, the more affluent suburbs of, of D.C., for instance. Um, but they, uh, you know, they distort your view of what, quote-unquote, America thinks. Meanwhile, Oakland, California could soon be housing its homeless population on a cruise ship. The bomb boat, exciting and new. Yeah. Supervisor Rebecca Kaplan says she had mentioned exploring housing on a large vessel at a previous city council meeting, and then two cruise ship companies immediately contacted her about making it a reality. Don't poop on the street. Poop on the poop deck. Come That's on. the perfect place for it. One, right. one, of the sh- one ship, just one ship, could easily house up to a thousand people. She says she's looking into the possibility of docking one ship or maybe even two at the port of Oakland. Uh, okay, so uh, are there going to be rules at this like there are at homeless shelters, like you can't do drugs, etc., uh, etc.? Et it's international waters. Everything goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think the port of Oakland yeah. is international waters. I was going to say, no, Sean, you're in error there. Uh, eh, we'll see about they're, that. They're at sea. Tides in, <laughs> tides out. The ocean's all... It's, it's fungible. Yeah. <laughs> fungible. Um, yeah, but... You know, it'll be one of those things. If they have rules, then you're you're going to have trouble getting people to stay on the boat. Right. right. Now, so if it's, it's just it's a place the... you can hang out and party with the money you begged all day long, then, then then you'll get a good crowd. Well, yeah, and live there for free. Now, Marshall, are the cruise ship uh, companies 
donating this boat or giving it or renting it or what? I've got a feeling, no, I've got a feeling they're not donating them. Well, who's who's changing the sheets and doing the laundry and and handling the the toiletries? And and cooking for the thousand people, or are they going to provide meals on these uh, these ships? Well, yeah, you got to eat. Well, yeah, yeah, the cruise ship uh, cabins don't have kitchenettes. Right. Is there entertainment on this? Yeah, is well to be a magician or anything like that? (laughs) They're going on a cruise, you want some entertainment? Some sort of crooner in a tuxedo. (laughs) Ventriloquist. Hey, where are you from? That corner over there. Hey, welcome aboard. (laughs) Las Vegas reviews each and every night. (laughs) All right, we've got a a new study that, again, brings up a very disturbing fact of life. The new study found that up to 43% of antibiotics prescriptions in the U.S. may potentially be inappropriate. A sobering stat since unnecessarily prescribing antibiotics is contributing to the growing problem of antibiotic-resistant infection. Yeah, that's interesting. So 43%, it'd be when they give you antibiotics for something that's going to run its course on its own. Right. Um, right. It's a virus, for instance. I have so much trouble getting antibiotics, period. Maybe I just live in a world where doctors are more concerned about this, but getting them for things that need it, they're so cautious. they got to wait until you get so damn sick before they give them out. Well, and in Africa, the uh, the policies and practices with antibiotics are a nightmare compared to the U.S., and they're being given out by the millions. So I'm telling you, the, the super infection is coming for us all. It's just a question of when. Something to look forward to. Also, <laughs> also in the study, they found uh, specialists were more likely than primary care physicians to write an inappropriate antibiotic prescription. Hmm. Specialists over your regular uh, family doctor. Maybe that's it. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I rarely see specialists, but my my personal experience is the opposite of what you hear about. It's uh, very, very difficult to get practically any medicine. They're so careful with it. Like uh, my son's prednisone. Nobody out there is on the street hopped up on prednisone. But refilling the prescription for a seven-year-old is always such a dance and so Ugh. difficult. And then it's it's just it's maddening when you got the stories about their handing out these uh you know oxycontin to people right. for anything. Well I get- was just gonna I was just going to bring up all the patients with chronic pain who who write us in say, yeah, guys, it's amazing. If you are a legit patient and you follow the rules, they make it really difficult to get right. the medicine you need. If you're, you know, on the street or you you go to one of these pharmacy mill or uh, prescription mills or crooked doctors, oh, it's easy as pie. Yeah, so, it's, it's it reminds it, me of gun laws, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So between uh, antibiotics and uh, really any kind of medication, it's such a fight for me. Then I regularly come into this job and do news stories about how they're handing out antibiotics and pain pills. I don't know where yeah. this is, but... Yeah, I got a, quite a few uh, oxy left over, by the way, if anybody wants any. I'm sorry, were we on the air? Michael, can you edit that out? We, yeah, I'll edit. <laughs> we got the Christmas party tonight. You bringing them to the Christmas party? They're going to have well, a bar. That would be festive, wouldn't it? Bar and everything. Maybe I'll just drop them in people's drinks. <laughs> well, thanks, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Actually, honestly, yeah, people might be vaguely aware that they're vaguely more relaxed than they were, but uh, having had a drink, they'd expect that anyway. So I don't yeah. need anything that makes me sleepy. I'm barely awake all the time. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I know it. I've always been yeah, confused by like quaaludes and stuff like that. I'm, I can barely keep my eyes open and right, out. Right. What am I trying to do? <laughs> Kill myself? Well, in some cases, people are. Yeah. Um, uh, duh. How do we want to finish? Strong or with a limp? 
That second one. That second one? Uh, Jack, we have troubling news. The president is mocking that poor child from Sweden. All right. We haven't done that story oh, yet. Oh, my. The orange man picking on a child. She is Time's Person of the Year. Thank you. And that's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Three words that would best describe you. Standing near Lizzo right now. <laughs> oh, Lizzo, very good. What are three Great things man. that would best describe you? Glamorous, talented, and bootyful. <laughs> so that's kind of a funny line from a boot edge edge on the early show today. What would best describe edge, you? Edge, they say. What would best describe you in three words right now? Standing next to Lizzo. <laughs> Which is four words. He said near. Yeah, standing near Lizzo, but ah, that's that's okay. uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Hillary Clinton couldn't come up with that. No, caring about America or something, you know, waiting for my polls or something. <laughs> Being Donald Trump. <laughs> oh boy. So listen, before we get into the uh, exchange between the orange man and uh, and the angry little girl, uh, we got this this email from Gene. Uh, and the subject is poor autistic child. Wow, I used to think you guys were funny, but now you've lost me. You yourself have a child with physical and mental health issues. How dare you? You should spend some time tomorrow apologizing for your offensive attitudes. She is not a child actor either. She's a passionate young woman with deep and justified concern about our climate and the future for all our children. Shame on you, writes Jean. Jean, a couple of things. Number one, I explained why I don't make fun of Greta Thunberg. Generally, it's Number one, because she's autistic, and I think she's being exploited for her passion by adults around her. I don't think what's happening is terribly healthy for her. How you decided that was derision of her, I don't know. She's actually on the autism spectrum. So, and did somebody call her a child actor? One of you bastards? I don't I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you must have been listening to somebody else. Anyway, thanks for the uh, the lecture, the angry lecture. But So anyway, uh, the president who happens to be the guy from The Apprentice. He gets wind that um, Greta Thunberg is the Time magazine, whatever a magazine is, person of the year. So ridiculous, he tweeted. Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. (laughs) So I'm not sure that needed to happen, honestly, but um, I kind of liked Candace Owens' reaction to it. She tweeted to LMAO, Democrats say, she's only 16, Trump is picking on a child. Democrats also say, we need to lower the voting age to 16, which I think is a pretty decent point. That's pretty good. Yeah. So what yeah. did Trump say, or did you already say that? I just said that. Okay. Yeah, and, and young Greta seems to be taking it as stride as, in stride as she has uh, reassigned her Twitter bio, or her little summary when you click on her profile, to that quote, a teenager working on her anger management problem, Currently chilling and watching a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Oh, right. that was Trump saying that. I thought yeah, that was yes. an emailer saying that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, now we, we, we switched to the president's tweet, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't know. I just, these, these fake reverses, these momentary tiny bits of conflict where angry people tweet angrily, I just, I don't have the time. Who does? 
Um, so, all right, go ahead, Greta, do your thing. I know we've stolen your innocence in your childhood with her, our empty words. Her, <laughs> her parents are actors. Somebody texted that may be true. Yes. It may not be true. I don't have any idea. Uh, yeah, actually, her, uh, her, I think her, her dad is an actor. Her mom is an opera singer or something like that. I can't remember like that. Uh, something like that. It's, they're all performers and all, but I don't know. I don't doubt for a second she sincerely believes what she's talking about. But as we've described before, the idea that we need to listen to the children because they're sincere and they don't have, you know, premeditated reasons for saying what they say and, and it's their future and the rest of it. Yeah, they're also children. They don't have the life experience to have the perspective to understand the way the world really works and the way the world really do- uh, needs to work and the rest of it. So, okay, great. Right. Greta Thunberg, person of the year. Congratulations, Greta. I actually wish her nothing but health, happiness, and healing. Trump is... And the, not being so damn angry all the time. By the standards that Time Magazine used to use, Trump is the person of the year by far and will be until he's gone. Just because everything revolves around him in our politics and, and for much of the world. Especially especially you throw in the him launching this uh, trade war with China. He's clearly the most dominant uh, personality on the planet. Yeah, I thought there was a really compelling argument for the uh, the Hong Kong protester to kind of be the be the person. Well, I, of the I'd year. be fine yeah. with that as a uh, a gimmicky sort of yeah. person of the year where they make a group or an idea or something. Well, they're exciting and interesting and impactful and admirable and, and a dozen other descriptors, but they're not the most important group even right, close right, right. And, unless they lead to you know the chinese mainland deciding you know those brave hong kongers are doing it the way we should revolution now and they overthrow the communists then i would give it to them otherwise it's got to be donald J. so you're really using your new hip as an excuse to not come to this mandatory party tonight where'd you get that idea are you coming to the party yeah oh you are God, I would have used my hip to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking, Joe? I absolutely would have gotten out of it. I'm a team player and a company oh, man. No here, here. way. If I had been in your position, I would have come. <laughs> well, uh, uh, wow, you people, you're cynical and, and, and frankly bad at your jobs. We're, we have the opportunity to greet, to, to wine, dine, and entertain some of our cherished clients and friends in the business. Who would miss that? I certainly wouldn't. My <sighs> God, man. In a different setting. Sure, you are a company man. Party, parties aren't my thing, man. <laughs> oh, Lord. Parties and, and, and giggling and laughter. And it's a costume party, so people are dressing up. It's just, it's just not, my, it's not my thing. It's, it's funny. At, at a radio station, you've got, um, you've got a bunch of people making the business run, and it's about making money. That's the reason we're here. And I, uh, uh, Joe and I realize that, and I think that's one thing that has helped us be successful, is we realize the point of this whole thing it's a profit deal. <laughs> it's to make money. Um, but the people that are on the air, the talent end of it, the creative end of it, I haven't talked to a single person who's not dreading this. Well, <laughs> which is interesting. Well, most that's of us cre- are introverts. Yeah, that's the way creative people are. They're not yeah. into that sort of thing. Well, any more than four people in a social gathering freaks me out. And so, you know, it's going to be a lot more than that. But Yeah, oh, that is definitely true. I'm so used to being uncomfortable, you know, in that situation. I don't even really think about it much. But that is definitely true. If there's that number of people in a room, I'm a little, uh, I got to get out of here. Always. Yeah, well, part of being an adult is you, you pull up your big boy pants and you understand there's some stuff you want to do, some stuff you uh, you have to do and it's fine, and some stuff you have to do that you don't like and you just do it. I was having that conversation with my son yesterday regarding oh, that some... Right? Uh, some various school assemblies he has to attend that he's not <laughs> real thrilled about. But uh, I said, the number of meetings you'll have to go to in your life that you don't want to be. I said, you just got to work on uh, staring straight ahead and nodding whenever you have to. 
and uh, acting like you're interested. It's, it's an important skill. Learn to daydream. It's not that big a deal. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our 20s-themed holiday party. I'm going to do my best to enforce prohibition, and I hope it doesn't get too crazy because nothing good happens after 6 (laughs) p.m. How about producer Positive Sean, final thought? Also gearing up for the big socializing today. In preparation, I will be needing to take a nap beforehand, so I am rested and zen for all the people that I will be surrounded by. Here, here. How about uh, our esteemed newsman, Marshall Phillips? Well, I got to tell you, I, for one, am looking forward to the company's uh, big party. I got a hotel room right across the street. There'll be giggle juice flowing everywhere. <laughs> you're you're probably the most sociable among us, aren't oh, you, no Marshall? Doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Marshall Phillips is the best, uh, best fitted for the kind of gathering we got going on today. I right. have very, very sleek moves. Good for you. Didn't ask. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? I am trying to clean up the studio a little bit as there are stacks and stacks of old newspapers and books and I'm coming across all kinds of crap. I'm trying to make our uh, studio look a little more presentable for our guests. Hey, is Trump wearing his Santa hat yet? Our life-size cutout figure uh, of Donald he's Trump? still wearing an Uncle Sam hat. We do need to get a Santa hat, Santa hat on him. Yeah, excellent. Oh, gosh. Uh, my final thought is uh, we need something interesting to happen for tomorrow because I can't squeeze another word out of this stupid, stupid impeachment drama. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I'm so. starting to get a little interesting when the Washington Post is reporting that Democrats are starting to waver. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty interested in how many people peel off. And if there is, Uh, like you described earlier, maybe at some point you reach that critical mass tipping point where a whole bunch of them say, I ain't risking it. Oh, yeah. Yep. It'll be like an avalanche. Once it starts, it'll go big. But uh, I'm not ready to predict it's going to happen. No. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great links for you there, including that list of the best journalism of the year. Some really thought-provoking stuff to read. Uh, You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Love to hear from you. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Oh, we'll be tweeting out party picks later today, won't we, huh? Crazy, wacky party picks. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing Come aboard, but please don't poo the bomb boat! <laughs> yeah! Armstrong and Getty.